to stay comfortable and expect things to just like right. um, fall away or to 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 just you know to heal themselves. That's not the way life works. Um, you know, you have to do some work in order to get some change. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with Isabel Gonzalez. Isabel is a poet and my colleague at the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, where she is assistant director to the poetry program. Isabel and I have worked together for four and a half years, and in that time, I've learned that she's not just a great poet and writer, she's also just a great person. Community is super important to Isabel, particularly her community of Latinx poets, including her fellows at Canto Mundo, a literary organization founded to support Latinx poets. Isabel is always ready to be a mentor, an advocate, a supporter, and a friend. If she is there for you, she is there for you. In part one of our conversation, Isabel and I talk about the seeds for her collection of poems, Wild Invocations. And we talk about some of the challenges that ultimately helped her learn how to use her voice and write and speak about difficult topics like grief, mental illness, and white fragility. Isabel shares a poem from her collection called How to Unlearn Being a Princess, and we begin talking about the transition from girlhood to womanhood at the end of this episode. If you want to hear us continue that conversation and talk about relationships, embodiment, and celebrating love, subscribe to Perennials on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get part two of our conversation downloaded directly to your feed tomorrow when it comes out. You can find Isabel online at isabelgonzalez.com. That's Y-S-A-B-E-L-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z.com. Welcome to the podcast. Yay, so great to be here. I'm so happy for us to get to talk, especially since we haven't had much time during the pandemic to connect. How many episodes are you up to now? 40 something, right? Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. I want to say congratulations to that because that's like so amazing to consistently and passionately be engaged in a project that you love and that um, is really, I think, really worthwhile for other folks to sit in and just kind of hang out and listen with you, you know? Thank you. Well, I feel that way about your book, too, um, Wild, Wild Invocations, because, you know, even though it, it's, it, come, it came out to the world as one fully formed book, for you, it was years uh, yes. in the making yes. <laughs> and like 100%. a lot of dedicated, committed time and showing up over and over. Um, and it's so beautiful and also, I think, very helpful for people. Um, and I wanted to just start, I mean, when I think about you and I think about, there are many things to love about you, but, <laughs> but two, two, two things that always come to my mind are that you have such a strong voice and that you have some of like the healthiest boundaries of anyone that I know. <laughs> saying no no but like I genuinely mean that like the healthiest because I know people who say no all the time you know and I or I know people who you know 
have a really hard time saying no. And it's not that like you never struggle with that stuff, but I feel like you are very generous and you take care of yourself. I'm grateful for the space and the people around me who, um, I honestly give me permission to say no sometimes. Mm. And I don't mean like they literally say, oh yeah, like I'm okay with that. It's not always that. It doesn't always look like that. But like people saying, you know what? I, I have to respect that. So um, I, it's one thing to, yeah, to, to say it's it's all me, but also it's, it's to be in that space and to be around people who are generous too and mm. giving back and being able to say, yeah, you know what? All right. Like, I'm okay with that. I gotta say that um, life has taught me to be adaptable um, and flexible. Mm. And um, I'm actually working on a new series of poems that's called Chameleon. And I've always joked around saying that, like, I'm a chameleon, you put me in any kind of environment, and I can kind of adapt and like, you know, be flexible and just work with the folks around me. But um, it was in a writing group. Uh, Somebody else um, said to me, Oh, you know, you should make a series. Um, It's actually uh, someone you've had on your podcast before, Marina Carreira. She said to me, you know, you need need to write a series of these chameleon poems. And it's like, so, so kind of weird and odd to have felt it in my body for so long, this feeling of being a chameleon and then writing it out. So yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And that, that actually connects to the other piece that I was talking about, which is like that you have a very powerful voice. And I think it's interesting to have both of those things, like to be an adaptable person, but also I always think that you have a very strong voice and you're very brave in how you use it. Wild invocations to me, and you can tell me like what you think, but it felt like um, part, like the story of how you became a woman who uses her voice. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like, um, you know, I was thinking about this recently. Um, Growing up, I was such a quiet child, like as most writers and poets, (laughs) right? I was such a quiet child and I felt like I actually was voiceless and had a hard time um, saying no, communicating, um, putting up boundaries. Um, in elementary school, I got bullied a lot too. So it was really, uh, I think a very, it was definitely something that I had to learn as I got older that if I didn't want this, um, these things happening to me, I had to kind of draw a a line in the sand, you know, and I had to start Um, speaking up for myself and I think you see a lot of that in the poems it's like um it sounds like um such a I guess such a powerful voice but really it's just from years and years and years of like (laughs) repression Mm. (laughs) and also just fighting through like every poem is fighting through how do I like how do I voice this how do I find how do I stay committed to that voice um, and how do I, you know, um, really, what do they say, Dr- uh, place a stake in the ground? How, how do I do that for myself and therefore for my community? Because um, before you can even fight for your community, you have to be, you know, grounded with yourself and, and, um, and be committed to yourself. I don't think it's just, it's not learning just for myself. It's also for, you know, um, creating community. Mm. So we're, I feel like, you know, like 
me and my people were we're definitely all in it together um so that's what i think about when you bring up those things um it's it's just it's super interesting because one might view it as like oh like she feels very comfortable and bringing up um certain things and being honest but you you and you and i know because we've had so many conversations about how it is a struggle um and how and like how do you do it with tact how do you do it with empathy which is something that you're so great with is like having empathy for the other person and how do you um do it in a way that it's received well too especially offering feedback and advice you know we we work together so a lot of that is i'm um, doing with tact and tone and 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 being delicate with because we work with people that we really love and we really respect and you know you and i respect each other so how do we talk to each other in in very loving ways yeah and i've learned a lot from you about that i really have like i feel like very encouraged by you to um, try to be kind and be empathetic and be respectful, but also stand in integrity and be deeply kind to people by speaking up when you need to and things like that. So I'm always learning from you. And I think that the title is so perfect because that wild invocations, like just that word invocations, I think of prayers and I think of spells and I think of like summoning um I don't know like there's so much in here also with like ancestors you know yeah. like summoning people and summoning words and summoning like the power to um and like that you know that wild thing it's just this yes. book to me also feels just so like lusciously feminine like, see, you know, for sure. Um, I think of my grandmother. I think of my mother. When I was writing all those poems, that those are the those are the the people I carried with me. For sure, my grandmother. Um, I started writing a lot of these poems when my grandmother passed in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually at a workshop, my first workshop ever at Voices of Our Nation Arts Foundation in California, and um, I took the trip knowing knowing she was not uh, she was not well but my mother and, and my father said you she would want you to go out and pursue your writing um just go so literally the day that they um that i got dropped off at the airport by my dad my mother was off going off to puerto rico to see my grandmother so it was so difficult for me because my grandmother and I were pretty close rather close and it was so difficult for me to make that decision um, but um, let me tell you that community uh, really held me up I found the new I, I received the news that my grandmother passed while I was at that workshop mm. and it was so difficult but um, the community there was so strong and ever since then I said you know I gotta carry this light with me I gotta carry this torch and my grandmother and my mother you let me tell you some of those voices that you hear in this book are their voices for sure mm. especially the sassy <laughs> <laughs> the sassy voices are definitely theirs the rosarios there's generosity in that too and your parents saying go and do that right like not every family has that um and i know no family's perfect yeah. but there's definitely a generosity in that too I'm and like kidding, and, and yeah. a willing like a freedom for you yes. that if they had not said to me um go and pursue that 
I, I would have been on that. I would have went on that trip to Puerto Rico with my mother. You know, it's hard to, it's even just, it's hard to think about. It's hard to reimagine that. Like it could have, it really could have affected even my writing professions because um, from Vona, that's when I made the decision that I was going to pursue my MFA. At the end of that, that those several days at uh, Vona, I said, this is what I was born to do. I was born to write. I'm getting the MFA. And that's when I started looking at MFAs. I, I um, uh, applied to Drew and got in and, and like the rest is kind of history. Not to wow. say that you have to pursue the MFA to be a poet, um, to be a great poet at that, but it really helped me kind of put a stamp on it and just say, this is, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. There's something so powerful about that. Like when, and it's interesting because I feel like in this, in your collection, there are all these moments where uh, there's death and there's celebration, like there's death and there's new life. And what a just like powerful thing. I always find it so powerful when there is like a significant death like that in the family and there's also some sort of rebirth um, that happens. And I'm not trying to like romanticize anything like that. Yeah, and there's something definitely um, like a milestone that's happening. You know, I recently, as you know, lost my uncle to COVID um, and it was real, really, really, really tough. So I understand what you're saying about not romanticizing it because I think about, um, I think about his death and I think about what a tragedy and what, what a light we lost. Um, but then, you know, there's little moments where I feel like um, my family's really coming together. Um, and it, it does, it death, I mean, death is so weird for folks. People get weird at death. Um, but with my family, it really drew us closer together. And, you know, um, something that I did in his memory, as you know, is I planted a butterfly bush in my backyard um, to sort of see him every day. And so that's the little pieces of, you know, of praise and, um, and you know, invocation that I try and find in my life where, yes, this light was lost, but um, how do we continue to celebrate his life and my family's legacy and, and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, um, like many poets, I've struggled with depression for, for, for many bouts of depression. Um, so I'm always clinging really close to like hope and, and it's so, it sounds so corny, but seriously, that's the only way I'm, I'm able to get through some days is just clinging to the little things. Um, like that butterfly bush, which I can see right now from my window mm. with the beautiful uh, sangria red flowers. Mm. It's like really amazing how how big it's grown actually in just a couple of months. But yeah, I think that's important. Like I think about your listeners and like, and as some of the, the purpose of this podcast is to be like, well, like there's no prescribed way of dealing with certain things like death or, um, or growing up and getting wise and <laughs> it's just like um you just have to take each day uh, moment by moment I think sometimes I think just like um the little things celebrating little things I'm getting a little choked up because I'm thinking about my uncle yeah thinking about the um the the you know the little the little ways that we um preserve people you know 
um, the way, little ways we carry people with us. I think it's so important. Like I'm, I not to continue to ramble on too too much, but um, you know, I have no, I have no kids. I don't plan on having kids. So I think about my own legacy. Um, I'm, I'm going to be turning forty next week. <laughs> so I'm thinking about all these things. It's really, really just like. Um, you know, how do we, how, how do, especially women, how do we carry each other and not just through birth, through our kids, but how do we carry each other um, and, and, um, and carry on each other's legacy and carry on each other's work, you know? Yes. And I was, I was thinking, I, th- so this was, I think the third time I read Wild Invocations, like all the way through um, over the course of two nights. And I was thinking about your uncle's passing a lot and one of the poems um, hit me in a different way. The poem, because brown women's bodies are told we take up too much space. When I inhale, I make sure it's breath I need. And that idea of your right to breath and your right to space and to life hit and literally that inhale hit me so much harder um, right now. And I was just wondering what it's like for you to put into these poems, like your, that, like you said, there's so much, like, there's such a fight, a fighting spirit in these poems to actually be talking about like fighting for your right to exist, to inhale, like what, yeah, just what is that like for you to try to put into words? I think a lot about, um, like this poem in particular, I, I have, I have it out, I'm looking at it and I'm like, um, one of the first things I tried to do when I wrote this poem is it's actually not a very long poem, but I'm trying to take up sort of um, space on the page and, and like let this poem exist in the world and take up a lot of space. Um, um, but it, it, it's definitely when I write poems like these, um, it's very, very difficult. I, I'm working on new work, too, that addresses like white fragility and um, you know, the white savior complex. Um, and it, those have been extremely difficult to write because some of my favorite people in the world are white. Um, <laughs> I mean, my, my partner in crime, my partner in life, my, 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 um, my, my lover and my best friend, Chris, is white. So it's very difficult for me to write some of these poems. But mm-hmm. of course, I don't mean all white people. So that's also where um, that's really important to mention because um, it's not it's not a whole race of people. It's a specific type of person that I'm I'm referencing. So um, it, these poems are very very hard to write. Um, I think that my the way that I grapple and wrestle with these poems is I have to write the poem down truthfully the first time i can't go back and and work through i mean i can't go back and and try and um you know patch together a truthful narrative like i have to for me i have to pretend as if no one's gonna read it in my mind and say write write the damn truth you know for me the capital t truth for me um which is 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 not it's not easy as you know as a writer to get that little devil and angel off your shoulder and Mm -hmm. just write the damn truth um so i the first that's my first step is to like 
I have to say, no one's going to read this. I'm going to write it down and then I can decide who, if I share it with anyone, who I'll share it with, you know? Um, so especially, like I said, those newer poems that I've been working on have been a struggle to get out because, um, because they're not easy to write. And I share them with my really, really close loved ones and get feedback. And then I work on it over time. It's definitely not an overnight thing. I tried to come back to some poems recently, today actually, and I, I struggled um, because it was too close, you know, to, since, mm. the first, since I had first gotten them out um, and I was looking at them again. I had gotten all this feedback from my, my writing group and I said, oh, it's not time yet. I'm just struggling with the feedback. And it's not because it's great feedback. I just wasn't ready to work on them. So I have to just set them aside, um, not forget them and come back to my babies later when when they're more mature and ready to, to <laughs> follow directions. <laughs> Were there any poems that did not make it into the book? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a few poems that didn't make it into the book. Um, I, I have to say great um, advice from my publisher. Some of them were had a lot to do with the fact that they were just um, the same incarnation <laughs> of another poem because we get those obsessions and just like, yes. the same thing over and over. <laughs> so some of it was that. Uh, actually, um, I don't think any of them did not make it in because I was scared or, you know, or worried or anything like that because um, I, I have to just think about what's best for my book. Um, I, I mean, you know, there there's some hard poems in here that I was like, oh, you know, wondering how folks would respond to them and, um, but but I, I feel like in the end it has to be what it was born to be, um, and and this this book really came out the way um, I think it was supposed to. You know I hadn't written so long since this book came out, which was last year, last March. Um, but uh, now I'm starting to write again, and it's really been the, as the result of the pandemic. And it's just crazy. It's really crazy how these poems have been living in my body for so long and they came pouring out during this time. It's not been the case for everybody. I know a lot of folks have been struggling just to survive, just to, you know, mentally, physically, just, you know, um, to su survive. And I'm, I feel grateful that this has been the way that I've been able to release some of my <clears throat> anxiety, some of my depression. I've been able to just write it out. Um, uh, I've been really lucky that way. Do you ever feel like it's easier to share some of these things either like even with yourself or with other people because it's in a poem? Oh, a hundred percent. The persona is my mask is my, gives me permission. And the actually, um, in a good way, one of my poet mentors who taught me about masks and personas um, as a gateway has, was Sharma Collum. She, she was a really great instructor on using the persona to write, write through what I wanted to kind of flesh out. Um, so I, in that way, I've given myself permission to write what I want to write because I'm like, oh, like this is, you know, this is a persona. So that's okay. I gotta say one of the hardest things um, that I've ever written 
was my most recent essay on the medium, an open letter to white nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is because it was not a poem. Like I know some of my poem friends, my poet friends write essays all the time and they startle me and challenge me and move me. And I've always sort of wondered at their, uh, and been in awe of the way they're able to um, do that. Uh, Roberto Carlos Garcia is one of my favorite poets and essayists and my publisher, um, but he is such a strong, I mean, he's such an intellect um, and he's always writing such amazing, uh, profound work on um, nonfiction. Um, and so I really got to say it's, it's my, it's people like him who have, um, I think given me permission and encouraged me, um, through, through doing and through, through a modeling, um, that I was, I gave myself permission to write this essay. Um, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to write for many reasons. One, because intertwined with my, my work life, my profession, also, you know, my income, (laughs) but also because of, like I've said, there are so many people, um, especially in my work life that I respect and that I truly love. Um, but I, I had to write it. It's like something in your belly, which I know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, you have to write it. You have to write the thing, whether it's the poem or the essay or the email. It's like something in your belly that's like, I've got to, I know, you know, no, I have to do this thing uh, or less it's just going to like drown me if I don't do it. And so I just felt like um, that was one of the hardest things that I actually ever had to write. I, I really felt like you just did it with the poise that I think you are, you have and respect, um, but also a firmness of like, I'm going to be respectful, but I'm going to say it, you know? And um and I think kind of what you were saying about, yeah, I mean, that was an essay about um, white-led nonprofits or white nonprofits. And um, I think as much as it's like, you know, when you were talking about writing about white fragility and like, you know, you're not necessarily talking about all white people, but I do also think like all white people have the capability to to be fragile, even if they really think, oh, I'm, I'm not that type. Like, I know that. I know that I do. And it's, I have to be honest with myself about that to grow. And I feel like, um, you've helped me grow with that too. Just being like seeing your integrity and generousness makes me go, okay, I want to be like that. And it means that I have to face these things with honesty. Um, and also with like, I feel like you, you see, you can see clearly and also retain some, some hope in people's goodness, generally (laughs) speaking, you know, like you're not, you're not like in a naive way, but I think you genuinely look for the good in people as much as you can. Um, And so, yeah, I think you've really helped me go like, okay, I'm gonna um, be honest about this in myself and then try to trust that trust in, in the the bigger parts of me. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But also I want to like, like, let's be clear that I have not done it perfectly. And I think that's really important to note that I myself, um, even though I, um, I am firm and, and, um, I try to do it with tact and poise, as you said, um, I, you know, I still struggle and I still make these mistakes. And, um, you know, it's interesting because like something, um, well, before I, I, I 
put out that essay, one of the things that my therapist asked me was, are you okay with the kind of, um, the kind of reception it mm. might receive, especially in terms of um, negative responses, yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or making your, your you feel uncomfortable? And I said, oh man, that is a great question. And that's why you're my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I pay you the big that's bucks. That's why I pay you the big bucks. <laughs> but seriously though, like, like, am I willing to be uncomfortable? Um, and I think that that is like a really important, I think, um, it's a really important um, growth step um, and, and everyone's life is like that moment when we're like, I have to do this, I'm going to do it, um, and it's going to be uncomfortable, it might even not be 100% perfect. And it, um, and it might even, you know, ruffle some feathers, but it has to be done. Um, I'm a strong believer in that. It's like you, you, you're gonna, you might get parts of it wrong, but you, you, you sometimes you just gotta like um, trust the universe and and kind of, you know, edge out on the ledge and um, and just you know, it's it'll it'll it pushes ourselves to grow. Um, I think, mm-hmm. and I feel like also you're another great example of people who take risks in order to grow and learn. Like I think of. Um, your rock climbing, you know, you started doing it on your own and you've been pushing yourself to do a lot of things outside of your comfort zone, especially while your partner's been, you know, away. And I feel like that's like, that's what everybody should strive. Like everybody should strive to do one risky thing, maybe a month, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing, not anything that was going to give you anxiety. Well, a little anxiety, maybe (laughs) not not too much anxiety, just enough that it like, it, it pushes you to grow. Like we can't, we can't just stay comfortable and expect things to just like um, fall away or to, to, to just feel to heal themselves. That's not the way life works. Um, you know, you have to do some work in order to get some change. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea of like the sweet spot of like not too much anxiety, but not too much just autopilot, you know, half asleep, (laughs) you know, going through life. Um, and yeah, I think like the rock climbing thing has been great for me because it's so physical and like visceral, like I am afraid. My body is afraid, but I actually am safe. It's like the perfect- physical metaphor of like my whole struggle with anxiety is and panic attacks is feeling unsafe but I actually am safe so when you're in the gym and you're on the rope and either I have a person belaying me or I'm you know on the auto belay machine it's like okay sure there's like the tiniest tiniest risk that I don't know some freak thing happens like in any any situation in life but like generally I am safe so it's just a very good kind of playground to be like all right let's play with fear you know yeah like that you're like enacting the anxiety yeah that's that's really interesting that's a really interesting way of and like engaging with it head on um and working through it physically is I, I love that I love that And I want to go back to something that popped into my mind when you were talking about writing poems that maybe you feel some fear about writing or it might be difficult to write and you think, okay, I don't have to share this with anyone. Um, How, what's your relationship to like, I feel like so often I want so badly to like be communicating or connecting through my poems that I'll write something and be like, oh, I just want to like share this with someone because 
because kind of like we were saying, like it would be a way of just like being, having it be seen and like myself be seen a little bit. Um, but like when you're like, what's your relationship to that in terms of, um, writing just for you writing in private versus like how quickly or how soon, or do you want to be do you want it to be seen or do you want it to use it to connect with other people? Well, like I totally write to be part of the community. Like I totally write to be part of the, the voice, the, 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 the community conversation that's happening um, with my people. So I, I have to be fair in saying that I, I don't write for the the white person I, it sounds mm-hmm. so weird to say that out loud i don't write for <laughs> i don't write for white people <laughs> um but but the truth is like the truth is i i i write to be part of another community which is really important to me the latinx community um um the community of colors the poets of color um, that come together and are writing about very specific struggles um, I mean, not, you know, not every poet, but that's, that's the part of the community I, I enjoy being a part of, um, because I feel like when I read, uh, specifically a poet of color that really resonates with me and their struggle, I, when I see myself in them, I'm just like, yes, like, this is, this is my, this is me too, me too. Like, yeah. that, that's my struggle. That's my experience. And, um, I just love that feeling of the, of like, yeah, like I'm with you. Like I, I, and I, you know, that's, that's another reason why I wrote the essay that I did recently was not, honestly, it was not like a hundred percent for white nonprofits to read. I gotta say it was more 80% that I wanted um, I wanted another person of color who worked at a nonprofit to read it and say, me too. Oh mm. my gosh, I've been feeling this way too. So this is a thing? Like, this is real? Like, this is, yes, yes it is. And now that it's out there, you can advocate for yourself. And I mean, if not, you, I'm sure, you know, if you're not already doing it, advocate for yourself and say, yes, like th- there are other people in this world um, who are struggling with the same, you know, same issues than I am and I so a a lot of you know a lot of this wild invocations the poems in this book um there's a similar feel to it there's a similar similar sort of like I'm exposing myself so you can say oh my gosh like yes I think some of the best poems don't have the answers that's not what the point of the poem you know the poems they're just working through stuff um and hopefully come to a few epiphanies while you're working through the poems but uh, yeah, ultimately, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, I want eyes on this because I want to be seen. Um, that's like a very real thing too. And I think that's why also, like, immediately I want to have um, when I want when I have that feeling of I want to have eyes on it. I trust my my um, my writing groups, mm-hmm. the writing friends that I have. The the one thing that I have learned from my years of writing is. Um, not any I will do like it's not just a writing group like the the people that I trust with my work are people who support me um, know me um, and when I say know me I just mean like um, know the spirit of me um, I recently during this pandemic have been writing and in a group thread with um, with some really amazing women and you know 
I am so grateful because um, I never thought at 39 going on 40 that I would make new friends. Mm. Um, and I gotta say, I've made new friends through this, this group. Um, and they are like, it's like I've known them my whole life. Um, and some of them, you know, I know better than others. Of one person in particular, I really never hung out with or talked with. And she's my new friend, you know, and it's amazing and very privileged. And I feel very blessed to say that I can, I can have new friendships at going on 40. Um, Cause it's like, that is, un, that's like unheard of, but that says a lot about the community in which I exist. You know what I love about the book too, that's so you and really speaks to what you're saying is a lot of your poems are, are for someone like there's an epigraph that mm. it's for someone in memory of someone or you note kind of like what the inspiration was you know after uh nina simone i think there's one yes. poem yes. um so like those voices are there and like your loved ones are right there and so i was curious because since you are kind of initially writing um to say okay this is I'm not thinking about the audience, but are you ever writing, are you ever writing to that person or is it after the fact, like when you're reflecting on the poem that you realize, oh, this is really for um, Marwa or this is for yeah, Crystal yeah, yeah. or you know what I mean? It depends. Like some of them are directly inspired by a person um, and others are, are like, like what you said in retrospect, I'm like, oh, this is definitely in the spirit of, you know, um, like there's a, there's a poem um, in this, um, in this book that's for Tamara and for my cousin Leah. And it was sort of um, after the fact, um, because uh, it was definitely like in the spirit of them, of like growing out of this princesshood yes. and into womanhood and saying I'm not gonna be polite I'm not gonna be your Shirley Temple I'm going to be uh, a roaring lion you know and give no f's so I just think like in retrospect after I wrote the poem I was like oh yeah this is definitely for these two women um so some of them are directly inspired and some of them, you know, otherwise it's, uh, it's like a mixed bag. I gotta say someone who is really great about um, writing poems in, in, in community is Lynn McHenry, who is a really mm. dear friend of mine. She is always, she's, I think, I, I don't know, she, I, but I really gotta say, I think she's always someone who's like carrying someone in her heart as she writes, mm. which I think is a beautiful thing. It's, it's so like, um, it, it ties you, you know, it ties a person to the poem, which is, is so beautiful when you're writing a community like that. It's so funny because in my notes, right under, because, you know, I have some, some questions that I thought about before, right under that question is how to unbecome a princess um, or how, I'm sorry, how to unlearn being a princess. Uh -huh. um, would you read that one? Yes. It's on yes. page 39. I have it marked. How to unlearn being a princess for Tamara, for Leah. Take your childhood, polite, pretty, a real Shirley Temple. 
and task yourself with one shit-eating grin a day. Mold, smug, delight, let mania charge into your mouth. Unravel, race, and rev, hurt those around you, fill with regret, apologize, do it all again. Realize you need help, get some, Begin stripping princesshood one psych session at a time. Uncrown your illness by revisiting the sore and achy beginning. Unlearn giving a fuck, embrace the whale. And when you feel yourself slipping back into plushness, remember how wild and lovely life is when you love your chunky folds. Dig each claw into the earth Climb out of your halo, set traps to catch freedom over and over, unlearn it all by being undone. Ah, that just makes me smile. (laughs) And I love like that because something that's so important about this book is that yes, there are all those like difficult things that you write about and dark things that you write about, but there's also like mischief and being like a little bit like i don't know there's dancing and there's yeah Yeah. playfulness playfulness and um like in a oh i love is it vodka yes invocation is that what is that the title yeah 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 where you say something about oh wait i need to find the line we are the bold who show ourselves especially when you're looking (laughs) to me that goes hand in hand with the you know unlearning being a princess like a princess is supposed to be um what's what's the word modest right and like but i love the the boldness of like oh we know you're looking you know sassiness right yes this is two this poem came out of two things one i was doing a 30 30 um uh, with tupelo press on on their website where you do a poem every day and you you know it's a fundraiser for them and um um, I asked for some friends to give me some words to inspire a poem, and Darla gave me some of these words that just turned into vodka invocation. <laughs> um, and the second uh, inspiration for this poem is definitely my years of clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> Like just dancing to the music, you know, midnight, and um, it just that's what I'm trying to invoke here. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that you have some like party poems in there. Yeah, <laughs> They're great. I love that. I love that you said that party poem. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, you know, the way in reading um, How to Unlearn Being a Princess, it got me thinking like when you're unlearning being something, you have to learn to be something else, right? right. I wonder in your mind, like, what are you learning to be? I feel like it's a transition. Like, um, you know, you and Marina were talking, um, I guess a while ago, the podcast was recorded a while ago, but you guys were talking about um, how there is no transition from like girl to Mm, woman. I love that. I I, I think about that a lot, actually, because like, where is that transition? Like, it just happens overnight. Oh, uh, no. Um, but this <laughs> idea of, like, transitioning and how do you, um, it's not just unlearning, it's undoing, it's unmaking, it's breaking. It's all these action verbs of, like, um, of, of like, 
trying to strip yourself um, of all these things that you know you hold on, you know, hold on to. Um, how do you do that? It's a slow transition out out of that. It's not like one night I woke up and I was like, I I have this strong, brave voice. It was like <laughs> <laughs> it was like years of like I. I have to push myself um, to, to, to say the truth and to be the truth. And I can't, I can't, um, I can't allow myself to hide anymore. Like, um, yeah. So I, 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 that's, that's what I feel. I feel like there's, mm. there's a transitional thing. And also like um, this whole idea of the chameleon and adapting and um, slowly, slowly changing your colors. Like, I think it's like, it's definitely a real thing for us women having to, we carry so much. We're, we're constantly, um, you know, uh, uh, reflecting what's around us and trying to like, sometimes uh, for most of us trying to blend in and just kind of, you know, go with the flow. Um, when I feel like we have to constantly challenge ourselves to say, no, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be different. And I'm going to, you know, say my, my capital T truth. You know, I, I think of uh, a good friend of ours who does that well, um, Megan, I feel like she is such a great example of like, I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold myself to, I'm gonna hold myself accountable. Yeah. And I'm gonna say what I have to say. Um, and I, I just think that's, um, it's hard to do. And again, you know, you're gonna trip up, you're gonna make mistakes, but um, it's, it's really important. Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials podcast. I'm Victoria Russell, and if you would like to hear part two of my conversation with Isabel Gonzalez, subscribe to Perennials on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get part two of our conversation in your feed tomorrow. You can follow Perennials on Instagram at Perennials Podcast or send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. I'm